Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. One of the hardest lessons a leader must learn is how to challenge and update long-standing beliefs and behaviors that have served them well in the past, but not in the future. Leaders must continuously adapt and learn to maintain success in today's complex, rapidly changing workplace. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing leadership agility. My guest today is Naomi Pekowski. Now, Naomi is an accomplished senior HR professional with over 20 years of experience working in both profit and nonprofit organizations. Throughout her career, she has worked across a range of industries, including healthcare, financial services, hospitality, aerospace, and defense. Naomi is highly regarded in her ability to build strong relationships across all levels of the organization, which has enabled her to collaborate closely with executive teams to align business strategy with people's strategy. Her track record of gaining trust and developing effective partnerships has been crucial in her success in delivering measurable results and driving organizational growth. Welcome to the show, Naomi. It is a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for having me, Andrew. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. How's everything going? What's new? It's going well. Just chugging along. We're in the fourth quarter, almost in the fourth quarter, (laughs) getting close to the end of the year. Okay. So that's a lot of organizing, making sure that doing a lot of counting and a lot of balancing and all that stuff, I would imagine. Yep. And if you're on a calendar year, fiscal year, I'm guessing you're probably getting ready to start the budgeting season as well. Yeah. Most companies, I would say, are pretty much usually doing that. Uh, Companies that I work for usually start doing that either in October or November, the ones that I've worked for. Yep. Mostly that same with me. Yeah, for sure. So, well, it's great to hear that things are going well and it's the end of the year. So that just means that you get to see how well the company did. So that's an exciting time as well. It sure is. It sure is. So before we begin, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready? Sure. So my question to you is, does life need to have purpose or can you just live purposeless? Save a deep one for me, huh, Andrew? I suppose you could live life without a purpose, but to me, that would be just stuck in the middle of a sea in a boat with no oars and you don't know where you're going. I think it's really important that you find something that you're passionate about Mm -hmm. and it, it enhances your life, whether it's your work or something outside of work. I think you really need to have a purpose to have a meaningful life. Yeah, I definitely think so too. Most people have a plan. Most companies will, if you're in a review process, they'll ask you, okay, well, where do you see yourself in six months? Where do you see yourself in a company in five years? So they're looking for a plan. They're thinking that you might have a plan. Maybe you're planning on wanting to move up in a company or you want to get some training. So I agree with you 100%. If, If you don't have a plan, there's a lot of people who are like that and that's okay. They're okay to just be data entry people who are just okay to do their stuff, start at eight, leave at five, 
go home and spend time with the family. So there's some people that are like that and that's okay. But there are some goal-oriented people. And if you're goal-oriented, then I think you have to have a purpose for sure. Totally agree. Purpose. So, Naomi, why don't we start off uh, our fun discussion today with you telling us a little bit about you and your story. Sure. I have been in human resources for over 25 years and I'm only 25. So I got into HR on accident after I graduated college. I knew I was going to be living abroad in Argentina and I needed something to do for six months to earn some money. And I ended up working for Manpower and got a lot of information and access to HR people and really enjoyed it. And so I went and spent a year and a half abroad. And when I came back, all I did was look for HR positions. And I've been in it ever since. I really love problem solving. I love where HR is going now and really focusing much more on the employee experience. Mm -hmm. And really just, it's not about having a seat at the table. It's really about adding value to the organization and creating a people strategy that aligns with the business strategy and having the right talent at the right time in the right places. There's so many golden nuggets that you said there, but the one that caught my attention was creating a people atmosphere. I think that's the way that things are going. I've talked to a lot of people and especially candidates, people looking for jobs. And I find it's a little bit different now. People would just apply for jobs, but now they're asking more questions. They want to know about the company, their philosophies, their mission, their vision, their values, the programs that they offer, you know, work-life balance. These are things that people are looking for. So I love to hear that companies are going in that direction. I still think we have a ways to go, but it's good to hear that it's it's starting. Yes, definitely. There is a long way to go. And even just recently, there's still the return to office conversation. And I'm sorry to say this, but there are these out of touch, older Caucasian male who don't get it. And it's not about the generations. It's about work-life balance. And I don't care if you're a boomer or Gen X, millennial or Gen Z, Everyone wants to have work-life balance now, and they're not living to work. They're working to live. And companies really need to understand that Mm -hmm. if they want to be successful and be around in the next 10 years. It makes me think of a episode that I did with a guest a couple of weeks ago that I just put out today, and it was on diversity of thought. And I agree with you that a lot of people that are in higher and upper management, they feel like they're pretty much thinking in one train of thought and that this is the way that it should go in order for it to work. And diversity of thought is having a different way of doing things. There's many different ways of doing stuff. So if they would just open up a little bit and just listen to the ideas, things would still keep going the way that they're going. They just feel that their way is the only way. Yep. And I think actually if they would listen and do things that employees want, they would actually be more successful than they are now if they are even being successful. And they'd probably be able to retain and attract much better talent. So I'd like you to explain leadership agility to our listeners. So leadership agility, the model I'm talking about is really, I learned it at my job and it's by Tom O'Shea was the teacher. So I want to at least give him credit, but it's a leadership and change management model in today's world, the VUCA world, right? Volatile, uncertain, 
complex and ambiguous. So it really is based on pushing decisions down to the lowest level possible, connecting and aligning and engaging. So generating confidence in your people, initiating action. It's not just about talk, but really creating change, liberating that thinking. So that idea diversity that you talked about, Andrew, that's so important. You need cross-functional teams. You can't make decisions in silos anymore. And you need to really get the person's ideas that might not be in your department because they see things differently. And that's really vital for innovation. And it's evaluating results. So going and constantly making changes and updating and improving things and then anticipating the change. So you're always ready for change and you're always making continuous improvement. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like wanting to give your employees the ability to be creative. Yes, creative and also be a part of the process, right? It's not any, it's not top down anymore. It's meet in the middle or let us at least have a say, hear us out. Doesn't mean we're going to take every single idea, but a lot of the best ideas do come from the people that are actually doing the work because they are so much more closely aligned and in touch with what's going on than director level C-suite, what those executives who are making the big decisions, but don't understand the nitty gritty. Yeah, that totally makes a lot of uh, sense to me. Because the people that are doing the jobs that are, like you said, the worker bees, I would call them. Those are the ones that are running things. So why not let them be creative or come up with some ideas or just make it a more engaging atmosphere in the workplace? Right. And it's also, it's fact-based data, right? We we talk about data a lot and that's really important. And HR historically has not been good at necessarily using data. And it's not just HR, it's everyone that needs to use that data, giving real-time feedback and just being in touch with what's going on and also having a vision and monitoring that to make sure that what you're doing makes sense. And if it doesn't, being nimble enough to be able to make changes quickly. So why is leadership agility so important now in 2023? Look at what's happened in the last three years, let alone the last 10, right? We've had so much change and it's not getting slower. It's actually speeding up with AI coming. Well, coming, it's here, right? And it's making things change much more quickly. So we have to be proactive versus reactive as leaders, or we're not going to be able to keep up with what's going on in the world. So we have to find different ways of doing things. Waterfall implementations of programs, big silos, those are not going to work anymore for successful companies in today's business world. Yeah, I guess if you're doing the same things, like you have a lot of, especially small business owners that have a certain way of doing stuff and they don't want to change it because they feel like, well, this is the way I've been doing it uh, since I opened up my company in 1963. So I'm going to keep doing it that way because that's the way that it's always been done. And we've been successful since. Yep. That's one of the phrases that's like nails on a blackboard for me. For those of you who are millennials or younger, might not know what a blackboard is, but it's just, that's how we always did it is I, when someone says that to me, I just, it, it makes me cringe. And it said, well, what we've done up to this point does not make a, does not get us to where we want to go. And I don't discount what 
all the tribal knowledge and what has been going on, but we need to honor that and move on and realize that we need to make changes in order to be successful and hit the goals uh, that we set out for ourselves. And Naomi, I don't even think that you have to even just fully change. Like, it doesn't have to be like a full changeover. You could still do the same stuff. Maybe it just needs a little bit of a tweak to do something a little bit different, but still do the same process or function. Maybe it doesn't have to be a full changeover. Of course. I mean, there's also, I've read the book Agile HR, which is related to this. And you can do bits and pieces of it so that you can get started and grow that muscle. And then as you continue to grow that muscle, add on more things in the different models so that you can become, again, more nimble, more able to address change proactively versus waiting for it to hit you in the face and knock you over, which then basically, that's going to basically paralyze you as a company. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you think that organizations are using leadership agility nowadays? I think they, there are quite a yeah, I think there are quite a few, probably more than a few. There are companies that are using different pieces of Agile. I know Agile itself, the process started in IT. So I know there's a lot of software development companies that use Agile and Scrum. And there's all different models under what I would call Agile. So yeah, I know I, there are people on LinkedIn that I follow that use Scrum and Agile and different change management and project management models that are similar to agility, leadership agility. And yeah, and those are the ones that you see that are making good strides to be, they're the tech companies that are not laying people off right now. So were companies ever using agile leadership, like in the past? I'm sure there are people that have been using different parts of leadership agility. I think there are so many different, there's lean, there's Six Sigma, right? There's so many different change management continuous improvement models out there. And I think they're all improvements on each other. So there are pieces, yes, that different companies have been using. Yeah, because I just wonder if it's something that companies, there's something that maybe they push aside, so we don't need to do this, or is there somebody that needs to come in that says, hey, I've heard about this thing called agile leadership. We should look at adopting this into our company philosophy, I wonder if that's happening uh, more and more. And is it the worker bees that are talking to their managers who are then talking to upper management about it? Well, at my company, we did have a consultant come in, Tom O'Shea, like I mentioned, and he yeah. wrote a, and he, he has his own consulting business and he does leadership agility. I, we're not the only company that is doing it. So I can imagine there are different iterations of agile being trained across different companies. Mm-hmm. And it's, we did it from supervisor up to direct VP level to the leadership team. And we're then the ones that are going back and training everyone else. And in, it's in conjunction with our strategy map. So that we, we're in a transition as well at my company. So we're trying to create a consistent culture across six different sites. And so this is one of the tools that we've been given to do that and, and be the spokespeople for Agile and really train and um, provide information and tools to our employees mm-hmm. so that the entire organization can sort of be more Agile. 
So if you were a company that was not using agile leadership and someone approached you and said, why do we need to adopt this in our company? What would you tell them? I would say that we are living in a constantly changing world where we need to be prepared for a change and be proactive versus reactive. And really having collaboration, cross-functional teams, breaking down silos and being able to proactively implement things to anticipate change is what is going to be needed in the world of work as we move forward. I love what he said, anticipating change. Because I feel like there's a lot of companies that would not do anything, not just agile leadership, but anything, but then they would wait till the end and then they'd say, oh, well, we have to do something. So I love that you said being proactive and I wish for a lot of leaders to consider that to be, think about what could be, where we could be in 2025 and start to adopt those plans to put agile leadership forward. Yeah, of course. The case study that comes to my mind, and again, it's kind of aged me a little bit, but is Blockbuster, right? Uh-huh. They knew that VHS was going away. They chose not to go online and not follow Netflix example. So there are, and I'm sure there are tons of other examples. Yeah, everything changes. We here in the United States, what we have new elections every two years. So there's the only thing that is constant is change, right? That's a famous saying. So if we're going to ignore that again, it's going to hit us in the head and knock us over and basically paralyze us. And then how do you pick yourself up and catch up when you're already so far behind? Yeah, it's almost like I said before, you're like, oh my God, here, what do we do now? We didn't, what do we do? And you're like digging yourself out of a hole at that point. Right. Or like, yep. And that that Kodak Eastman again with film, 35 millimeter film, they're still around, but not like they were in the seventies and eighties. Right. I mean, the Polaroid, come on. That was (laughs) making a comeback. Those, right. Those little digital, the little cameras where you can take a picture and see it. But I guess everything becomes retro at one point or the other. Well, for sure. You were looking at the flip phone and I remember I had one of those back in the day when cell phones were out. I had a flip phone and then everybody started getting the the apples and all that stuff. And then I still had my flip phone. So (laughs) I used to have all my friends that would tease me. We still have that flip phone. Like, why don't you change it? And I'm like, well, it's still a phone. Like it still works. So, and now those flip phones are coming back now. So Nobody's laughing at the flip phones now. It's something (laughs) new. But back when the other ones came out, I was being teased by my friends. So it just goes to show you that some people are ready for change. Some people are not and just have to go with it. Yep. That's so funny you said a flip phone because I was out for lunch on Monday, I think. And I saw a woman who, old school flip phone, not the new one. She pulled that out of her purse and I just chuckled to myself. (laughs) And And it probably still works, but... She probably yeah. just okay. Well, uh, I'm not going to change it over. Listen, I have I know people who don't even pay. Again, we're talking about change and organizations. I know people that would go to to pay their bills. They don't do it online. They still go like when you used to go to the bank and you'd have your slips for your bills and you'd say, okay, I want to pay my electrical, I want to pay my cable, and you're at the teller and you're paying all your bills. Fine, they're taken out of your account. Now you can do it like online, but this one person or a few people that I know, they'll go to the different locations 
and they'll still pay their bills like that. So they'll go to the phone company, they'll go to the power company, they'll go to the water and that teased him a few times, but he's not going to change. So that's the way that he is. And that's how he feels comfortable doing it. And he's going to continue to do it that way. Sounds like he has a lot of extra time on his Wow. Hands. That's the other thing I was going to say. I, that's the other thing. I didn't say it, but that's what I usually always tease him about. You must have a lot of extra time on your hands because I wouldn't have time during the day to go to four different places because most of us are working, right? So. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, Naomi, if you could choose one word to describe yourself, what word would that be? I think it would be compassionate. I am very direct and I'm always the one that says the things that no one else wants to say. And I try and do it in a way that people can hear it. So I have empathy and understanding and can. I want to be kind when I say things mm-hmm. so that people will actually hear it versus coming out in a different way where they hear what they want to hear versus what I want them to hear. Right, right. And I would say compassionate for you as well. My conversations with you, that would be my first inkling or my first thought was that you were super compassionate with me. You took your time. There was a couple of times when we spoke that you were like, I had a certain amount of time because you had to get back to projects that you were working on. So I greatly appreciated that you took the time to to chat with me and to get stuff prepared for this episode. So I do say that compassionate was a big part of our conversations for sure. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I It's always hard. I am self-aware, but it's people always see you differently than what you think they, what you think they see you as. Yeah. You are somebody that is, you like to get your stuff done and I feel like you're honest. So you say, look, we can do this for sure, but I do have to get back to my project. I have a project that's due at a certain time today. So if we can be mindful of that. And I think a big uh, part of that is communication. So I'm really big on that. I think that communication is very important and you communicated with me and I'm sure you communicated with others as well. And I think that'll bring anybody far in life, I would say. Thank you. Yeah. And without communication, you have nothing. Unfortunately, ESP is not a real thing. So we can't read minds. So if I don't tell you what I need, how am I going to get what I need? Right. So all part of expectations for sure. (laughs) That's another part of management, right? (laughs) Exactly. Any final thoughts today, Naomi? No, thank you for having me, Andrew. I really enjoyed myself and talking more about leadership agility. It was a pleasure to have you on today. It was, like I said, we were organizing this for a while. So it was nice to have it come to fruition today and actually have this conversation and for people to listen to at a later date. So greatly appreciated. Thank you. You're welcome. On behalf of myself and my guest, Naomi, I would like to thank you all for taking the time to listen today. And until next time, be safe. And remember, if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 